0: Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision.
1: We're going to talk about movies over this next hour. The school holidays upon us. Lots of us will be off to the movies. And there are a whole bunch of new films being released at the cinema. And when we talk about films with our special guest film reviewer, we like to hear how we can... Engage with films without disengaging our Christian faith. Russ Matthews from City Bible Forum is back with us today. Russ is across the latest cinema offerings. He's worked with City Bible Forum now for more than a decade. And Russ is a reviewer for Insights Magazine and Entertainment Fuse. And he has a blog called Rustling Reviews. Now, he moderates events, too, for Real Dialogue, which connects the film industry with the general public. So when you're looking for reviews, in-depth articles, and the latest details of what's happening in the realm of cinema and pop culture, check out Real Dialogue. Their website is realdialogue.com. But Russ Matthews, a special welcome back to 2020. Hey, Neil, how are you? I'm really well, Russ. I always love our catch-ups and this time before school holidays, the perfect time to be talking about what we do talk about because uh, this is the time, isn't it, when there's a new crop of movies, they usually come out on the uh, beginning or just into school holidays. So parents, grandparents who are off to the movies, they need a little bit of wisdom when it comes to what they're seeing because uh, this year there's there's some good and there's some bad and there's some ugly. I know You've been, you've been uh, talking about movies in, the, in those sorts of uh, uh, genres, good, bad and ugly. Uh, what are your thoughts about the latest crop as they are out in the cinemas this week?
2: You know, it, it is really a fascinating year this year because there are some of the best movies that I've seen, not only this year, but probably over the past few years that are coming out. Um, as for for families in regards to families, but then there's also some that really do deserve some warnings um, for families, especially because some of them are um, kind of targeted towards children and families, and so it's worthwhile kind of considering that um, there's some great ones, but there's ones that you probably should steer clear of and maybe look at other options for you. Uh,
1: We'll get to the steer clear of ones shortly because uh, there are some really quite disturbing ones that are out. Uh, We'll get to those shortly, but let's start with the good ones, and I know that you've been very impressed uh, with the latest Incredibles movie. Uh, What's so good about the Incredibles? Well,
2: Incredibles 2 is actually it's been 14 years since the original Incredibles from Pixar came out and um, we're in, it's the Parr family and they're we continue in the adventure with them as a family all of them having special abilities and the like and then they ha, they come up against their the villain this time is actually called the Screen Slaver um, and what's great about the this movie and also this series of films actually from Pixar is that it's about family. It shows the value of family and the importance of family. Um, and then also that we all have, we all may have special abilities, but yet we still need one another. And uh, just every element of it, they could have, Taking it down different paths that could have really kind of appealed maybe to some of the things that are going on in our culture today, but they chose not to. Really, what they've done is really still made a really good film that would be appealing to not only parents, grandparents, but also to children, down to the younger children. So uh, we, really, we really enjoyed it. Actually, I ended up taking my family along to see this one too, and they too really enjoyed Incredibles 2 this year.
1: You mentioned the, vil- uh, the villain is called The Screenslaver. Is is that, what you, is that what you call it? flavor, yeah. Okay, well. Go ahead. And I was going to say, uh, when you've got such a growing momentum now of people concerned about uh, the impact of screen time on children, and it's not just children, it's adults too, uh, that's an interesting concept to include in a film like this and uh, very deliberately in there, no doubt.
2: Well, I think it's very timely. Um, One thing about The Incredibles is that it kind of seems to exist in kind of a a different time realm in a lot of ways, but it's a very timely topic, especially the villain being one that really kind of enslaves um, most of the general populace at at some point um, based in their screens. And so I think that Brad Bird, who's the director of this film, um, was really and also writer, was able to kind of really tap into something that is very prevalent and also I think will continue on for us. So looking at the value of really our relationships outside of kind of where we live sometime in our virtual world, especially on screens.
1: And it's interesting when I think of the Incredibles, and I've seen a part of the first one, I haven't seen the second one, so uh, relying on your uh, insights here, but uh, what I appreciate about it is that it's quite a dysfunctional family. Uh, but they just happen to be superheroes. The fact that they are a little bit dysfunctional actually just en- endears us to them because uh, so many of us have some dysfunction within our own families. <laughs>
2: That is so true. I think they really tap into something that um, is very real about it. That you know, sometimes we, we see these movies about superheroes, and you think that they're the perfect people. Um, and really, this this movie really shows that even though they do have super abilities, that they are very imperfect in so many ways. And that they the value and that the, how they need one another. Um, and so it really kind of points to the fact that we all need each other, especially within our community. And, and just points to the fact that again, we can. T- talk about the fact that the only real superhero, as it were, or the only perfect person is Jesus, and so really our need for us, because I think that's what we really tap into with the superhero genre, is that there's always a need for someone to save us, and so uh, we're always looking for that, and I think that that's, again, it's a natural bridge for us to be able to kind of talk about Jesus once again.
1: I always love your idea of engaging with the film without disengaging your faith, and so you you encourage families and you're talking parents and the conversations that you might have after seeing a film to take the opportunity because it does create a wonderful opportunity doesn't it to talk to children about the messages the film delivers Uh, what sort of special message is there in this particular one that you think is a great conversation starter for parents and their children
2: Oh, you know, there's so many, actually, I think that we're actually able to gain from these different types of films. So with The Incredibles 2 in particular, we're able to really look at the value of family and really looking at seeing that the the core of it, that we're all better together than we are apart, but also how God has really kind of established us that way. And so... What's great about getting into the car afterwards, after seeing a film like this with your children, is they'll just kind of turn around and without being too over-the-top with it, just saying, hey, what did you like? What did you enjoy about the film? But also, did you happen to notice that, you know, everybody seems to uh, really work better when they're working together? Um, Or you can even uh, do that natural bridge, too, with your children, saying, you know what, Why, why are there so many superhero films? What is it about the superhero that... Um, why do we all need someone to save us? You know, So it, it just gives us things, opportunities for us to have a little bit deeper conversations beyond just the like and didn't like it, but really looking at even pointing towards biblical elements, um, aspects of what we can actually understand and know about Jesus.
1: And what I like about your reviews, Russ, is that you even include some relevant Bible scripture Uh, that connects to some of the messages that you might have as a parent. So it's not just about uh, having a discussion with your children and saying a few nice things, but you've actually connected that to some biblical wisdom. Uh, I'm not expecting you to to remember all of the scriptures that you've got, but when people go on to uh, your reviews, they actually get this access to some fabulous biblical scripture that you can use as a parent to connect the good values of the film back to biblical wisdom.
2: Oh, oh, thanks so much for reading them. Yeah, actually, that's one of the things that we really strive to do at Real Dialogue, is um, not only giving you questions, but also equipping. Because a lot of times, you know, if you think about some of these different topics, because films can go into so many different areas, that the Bible really does address But it's really good to kind of know where you can go specifically. And so to be able to equip parents or equip people in in these conversations that they'll be having after the film, that's what we really strive to do. So we have, like for this one, we actually have Psalm 128.3 and Proverbs 22.6 and John 15.12-17, through which are different passages that just kind of show us that, hey, the Bible has something to say about this topic, as well as what Hollywood has to say
1: about it. Now, when you're off to the movies with your kids, Russ, uh, it's all very well to say, I've uh, I've read Russ's reviews and I'm going to choose to go to the good ones. Every now and then you'll find yourself in a movie and you think, I've made a mistake here. Uh, The messages in this movie are just dreadful. Uh, But all is not lost, is it? Because I imagine that if you're asking the right questions at the end of the movie... Uh, you can not only draw attention to the good elements of a movie, but if you're seeing one there with the kids, and there's some stuff in there that's borderline, uh, that that actually creates just as good an opportunity to discuss those values afterwards as it does with the ones that have got the good values. What's your reflection on... Because there's this sort of sense of prudishness that sometimes we can have as Christians, and uh, we do certainly need to be discerning, and we need to... Uh, be people who will stand for righteousness and support those things that are righteous. But when you do find yourself uh, or you know that your children have been to a movie, the values haven't been quite right, uh, it creates another opportunity, doesn't it?
2: Exactly. I, I love I love what the thought process you're going, and that's what we really strive to do. We really try to help equip people to be able to know if there's something that's going to be questionable, we'd be able to add that into our reviews. But inevitably, people still get along to a film, and they'll see something. They're going, wait a minute, that really doesn't square with my faith or what I believe. And I don't know if I really want exposing my children to that, but also oh, well, we're going we're gonna to have this conversation afterwards. And instead of just kind of coming at it negative, uh, like you're saying and just kind of saying, we will never see that again or you should never go see that, is engaging your children and allowing them to know that they can think about it and have a conversation about it. And you can actually share what you think and what you share, what you know from your faith or from the Bible but also allow them to really interact with it. It just is a great way for us to be able to converse. And I think you're right. There's going to be, in every film, in every TV show that you see, there's going to be things that are objectionable. And to be able to address those in a positive way, but also to be able to do it in a manner where it gets us thinking. Because I think that that's what we talk about when we engage film without disengaging our faith. What we can really do is really look at it and go, well, this is what the world has to say, but what does the Bible have to say about that? What does Jesus have to say about that? And um, and so I don't have to agree with it just because I happen to see it on the screen, but I actually can discuss it. And also... The thing I love about what this line of thinking that you're going is the fact that we as parents can really engage and have intelligent and engaging conversations with our children that really challenge them not only theologically, but also just to be able to converse and talk with one another. And I think that that's one of the best things you can do with your children.
0: Life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020
1: on Vision. We are talking the movies and our talkback line is open. You're invited to be a part of our conversation. You might have seen the movies we've talking, we're talking about. Uh, you're welcome to give us your insights, uh, the way you thought about the movie. Uh, you might have heard about some of the movies we're talking about, or you might have a general comment when it comes to the way as a parent uh, you conduct your family life by way of talking about the sorts of values that come through the movies, and indeed the television programs that you're watching with children. So plenty to talk about. Inviting you to be part of it, 1-800-316-316. Our special guest is Russ Matthews from City Bible Forum. And let's continue talking about some of these superhero-type movies that are out at the moment. Uh, one you saw yesterday, uh, this is the one about Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, that's, that's one funny. of the latest ones. So, What are your thoughts on that one?
2: Well, you know, it actually doesn't come out. It doesn't come out till next week. But um, okay, this is one of your special enough,
1: privileges. <laughs> you got to go to a special preview.
2: and Avengers: Infinity War um, within the Marvel universe, which is so it's the Captain America, Iron Man, and all that. But one of the the smaller figures, literally, is Ant Man, and uh, he actually comes to factor into this whole storyline and is played by Scott. Um, I mean, not Scott Lang. Scott, Scott lang 's a character, but actually Paul Rudd, and uh, but he's not in a, a Avengers: Infinity War for some reason, and it gets explained in this one. And it's uh, the thing we I love about the whole Ant-Man um, element is that it's funny, it's a comedy because both Black Panther and Avengers: Infinity War. Have both been really heavy and dark and um, a very kind of almost heart, heart rendering, while this one is just fun. It's light. It's an action film. But interestingly enough, that most of the most of the superhero films tend to be rated M, and this one is actually rated PG. And so it's very accept, uh, accessible for families, um, probably for kids, probably from the age of six on up would be able to really be able to enjoy this film. It's an action film. It's funny. Um, And also, it still also shows values of a parent loving his daughter, both not only with the Scott Lang um, character, but also with the Hank Pym character who plays the original Ant-Man, who's played by Michael Douglas. And they're going through and trying to find the mother of... um, have Evangeline Lilly, who actually plays the Wasp, and they're trying to find her mother, who's been lost um, in this other state of being or whatever, but it's it's just a a fun film. It's an action film, but it's also very accessible for um, families and we'd really be able to enjoy it together.
1: Interested in the way you describe a film uh, when you talk about it as being light, and then you've got others where you say heavy and dark. And when you're exposing your children to uh, light or heavy and dark, and no doubt uh, this is going to be an issue depending on the age of your children, but when you are talking to parents, Russ, about, you know, when you're taking your children along to a movie, and it might be a G or a PG, but it's got a sort of a heavy, dark atmosphere environment in the film uh what sort of things do you advise for parents when you when you uh when you're talking about the sort of the atmosphere a film promotes
2: well, you know, this kind of goes back to conversations we've had in the past in that really in every story, even in the Bible, we find that there's light and there's dark. You know, there's, there's, a lot of times what we'll see is there's the good and also the bad, and what you see in most of these films, not only just superhero films, but almost in every storyline, there's usually someone who is kind of, represents the good guy or the, the, the positive, while another kind of represents the negative, and What's great about what we have with the Bible, going all the way back to the beginning of Genesis, but also seeing throughout it, is that we really see that this, you know, the light and the dark are there. There's also, there's the good and then there's evil. And, and really that the storylines that we see, and we're actually able to share from film, is film is just really kind of a very small microscope look at really some of the bigger issues going on in our society. But yet, how we can not only see it in a film or see it in a television show, but then we can also help point people to what we can know from the Bible as far as what God has to say about good, bad, light, dark, and just what his answers are.
1: Okay, well, there might be some thoughts from listeners. Our talkback line open 1-800-316-316. Let's talk about another film. Doesn't mean we can't come back to talk about some of these some more, but Hotel Transylvania 3, another animated film here. What are your thoughts about that particular movie?
2: Now I'm going to have to. I would say this one is a, this whole franchise is a complete surprise to me because this movie involves vampires, werewolves, mummies, zombies, and all these different things that I don't necessarily really enjoy going to see in film, and I don't necessarily push people to or encourage them to go along to see. But um, a few years back, and also the fact that the lead character is played by an actor named Adam Sandler, which may not be familiar with many, but he's not necessarily known for putting out really great family films as a comedian. And so with this Hotel Transylvania, the thing that surprised me was that the whole film, and actually the whole franchise, is really talking about and points to the fact that even though you're dealing with some very dark characters, the positive thread that's going throughout it is that this whole, the value of once again a family and seeing the need and importance of sacrificing for the sake of your family. Now, I, I will say that you know some people will not be comfortable taking somebody to go see a film that the lead character is Dracula, or that a lot of his characters play these very kind of dark figures from cinematic history, or even just... Uh, but. Really, in the end, the story itself is actually very positive. I took my daughter along to see it. She thought it was really, really enjoyable, thought it was funny. And then we were able to actually, as you said before, have a conversation at the end just talking about fictional characters, but also the realities of what real life is, but also what we can believe and what we can know. And uh, so it really led to some really great conversations, even about afterlife discussions. But uh, so in the end, it was pretty good. It's not as good as The Incredibles 2, but it's still a fairly decent film. And the one that outside of kind of some of the bizarre characters that are in the film, it's relatively good.
1: Okay, uh, let's. Uh, there's a caller called through asking Russ if you know anything about subliminal subliminal images being embedded in kids' movies to influence the way they think. Uh, This lady who called through says she saw a documentary on Christian TV in New Zealand recently about this issue and is quite concerned. Uh, Are you familiar with some of these or uh, or is it just a a sort of a a conspiracy theory or uh, does this actually happen? Is it about advertising or is it a deeper, more sinister idea? Uh, Your thoughts on subliminal images in children's movies?
2: No, I think I have not seen that, that documentary, so I really can't answer that as far as for the caller. Now, I can. what I can talk to is the fact that throughout history, um, especially cinematic history, they've talked about different images that have, have cropped up that different um, producers and things have tried to put in or add into film. You can call them subliminal. Sometimes it's just a matter of a frame that they add in, and uh, they might be inappropriate things or inappropriate messages. The thing is, for for people that for um, these producers and also for all of the different companies to be trying to do different things like that, and to get past to so many different regulations, I don't think most of them reala- realistically can do it. And and I guess the only my only challenge and pushback is that I don't think most of these films um, really are very. Have to be very subliminal with their message, some of them are just so direct and so overt with what they 're trying to portray and what they 're trying to communicate um, i don 't think they need to be subliminal at all um, they're trying a lot of times they 're just pushing a message and pushing the direction, some of them positive and some of them negative um, i i wouldn 't Necessarily buy into it too much that um, those sort of things are going on. Could they have happened? And is there, um could there have been times that people have actually done those sort of sinister sort of things? Sure. um... but I, and I know that historically when I took film classes that they've talked about different times when they tried to. Um, get people to eat more popcorn so they would put in a, a slide or a, an image of popcorn throughout the film that supposedly was sublim- subliminally supposed to have them go out and buy some more popcorn. But um, I have not seen the film itself. Can it happen? Yeah. Is it realistically happening right now with most of the children's films that are out there? I don't think so.
1: Russ let's stay back with Hotel Transylvania 3 for a moment uh, because when you talk about uh, obvious messages subliminal messages the sorts of things that are influencing the minds of our children and even adults as well uh, there is something and uh, as a parent you'll know that your children from a very young age start to have a fascination with the likes of Dracula and vampires and werewolves and uh, while those of us who might have a few extra years, will remember a time when Dracula was talked about as being like the personification of the devil, Uh, those sorts of uh, images of Dracula this idea that children have fascination teenagers have a fascination is this in fact a a red light or a warning light that says to parents you should see the movies with your children so that you can have conversations about that sort of thing because they will see these movies whether you like it or not, Uh, what are your thoughts on this sort of fascination with the macabre and with uh, the likes of Dracula.
2: You know, I I think you bring up a great point and something that's going to always be relevant for parents. And I think that that's where choosing cinema, choosing movies goes way back before you get to the movie theater. You know, that when your children or anybody who's gonna be going to see a film, you need to be able to kinda of go through and educate yourself on it. Fortunately out there there's so many different um, resources that are able to get you the information you need to know about the film prior to going and seeing it. It's very I think it's very important. So that's one thing, is kinda of getting educated, but two, being willing to have that conversation um, with your children in regards to what they've seen in the films is what we just talked about not not too long ago. But Finally, I think one of the things too is that it's okay to say no. You know? If you as a parent sit there and think, you know what, I really don't want my film my child going to go see a movie that has Dracula in the lead character they don't have to go. You know, I mean, you you can say no to that. You can do it in a loving way. You can do it, make sure in everything that they can. But actually saying no is actually just as loving as saying yes to your child. And so it's really important to be able to kind of go through and understand the parent that they don't have to go see these films, they don't have to go and see them. Now, if they do, um, it's it, you need to make sure that you're doing all that you can to be active. I think that again just kind of goes to good parenting is that we need to continually be looking at the opportunities to be able to engage with our children and talk with them about it. They're going to get exposed to it um, in some way at school or in different aspects. They're even watching television, especially now with the streaming opportunities with Netflix. There's just so many different things out there. One, we can train our children to be discerning. But two is also we can really engage them in the conversation but also there's also a time to say no you don't need to necessarily go see that film and i don't necessarily agree with the content in it uh,
1: when we started talking about the good the bad and the ugly let's go to the ugliest of the movies <laughs> that is out there and uh, and you know it's nice to talk about the good ones but let's talk about the ugly ones because there's one called show dogs that has generated a huge amount of controversy uh, what's been so bad about the movie show dogs
2: one of, the, one of the challenges with this, and again, I am not a, a big one on sitting there and kind of trashing films, but this one is one of those films that it, it just carries a stink with it. It's kind of like a dog that's been rolling around in rubbish for days and then you're just trying to wash it and trying to get rid of the smell and it just won't go away. And what the problem was is that the original script contained elements that were similar to or reminiscent for some people. And when it came to... Um, Grooming children, especially in the world of pet, the pedophile, in uh, some of the things that they were doing to the dogs, and the studio, after the first week of kind of dealing with all this controversy, pulled the film, cut almost all of the the elements that were that kind of pointed to that element of the film, and then re-released the film. And the film is just a it's a it's a kind of a Turner and Hooch, a, a dog and a a police officer who are trying to find um, uh, a missing panda cub, and um, and then they go and they have to actually be a part of a dog show that happens in Las Vegas in the United States. Well, the controversy that's kind of all around this kind of makes this whole film stink. But then on top of it, with all of the different elements to it, it it really is not a very good film. And so it's just the quality of the film, the storyline. Everything about it just isn't that good. It's not that entertaining. It's not that funny. There's really nothing really winsome about the film. It's probably one of my least favorite films of the year, just from a quality standpoint. But then on top of it, carrying all of the different controversy that kind of goes around it, I would probably just recommend that families kind of steer clear of this. Probably would choose to go to Incredibles 2, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Or even Hotel Transylvania three over going to see show, the show dogs.
1: Well, I've never heard you say a film stinks, <laughs> uh, but this one, you're this, <laughs> not holding back here. This is really the worst. Uh, this is the sort of one that, as you say, if you go and see this, uh, you'll you'll be sort of feeling like you, you're trying to shake free from it, uh, oh. and. Yeah. This is the one, in fact, there's been so many uh, bad reports about this and the fact that it went back to uh, the editor's suite and uh, it came back and it still wasn't good enough, uh, disappointing that it targets children. And when you've got, as you say, like a stench of pedophilia around a film uh, that is set into the cinemas to... Uh, reach children. There has been calls for it to be reclassified as an M rating for mature audiences. Do you know what the rating is on that one, Russ, by chance?
2: Uh, they're still they're still going to keep it as a PG. The, the new cut has is a pre, as a PG rating as opposed to an M rating. Um, but I I still even even within that, this is not one that um, anyone really is going to enjoy, even from a quality standpoint, much less. Just what the different thing, different things that it brings up and addresses. Um, I think that there's a lot of other better options out there for people than show dogs.
1: Okay, it's in the ugly cattle uh, <laughs> category. Uh, let's Definitely. let's move on. Look, if you'd like to comment as a listener, one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Lots of Facebook comments coming through. Um, one that says, uh, reflecting on as we're talking about Hotel Transylvania three, Mike says on Facebook Dracula is an evil satanic character which would do well to stay away from, horror movies or characters are very dangerous for us all. Fear can invade us. In fact, that issue of fear uh, is an important one, and so uh, uh, save that for a second. There's another number of uh, comments, uh, ones that move on to Jurassic World. One Facebook comment from John who says he watched Jurassic World and thought it was an excellent movie. Another one says, I have a question for Russ. Does he find movies like the Jurassic World franchise problematic? because of the obvious and influential push of evolutionary theory. The movies are highly entertaining and most people believe that they what they see in them uh, rarely and they rarely question the different views expressed within those movies. So a uh, good time to go to the Jurassic world uh, Fallen Kingdom uh, is there some good things or bad things about that movie, Russ?
2: You know, I think that they're really touching on some really interesting elements. I'm really glad that they got out and actually were able to enjoy um, Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom. um, This is the the reintroduction of the whole franchise that was started by Steven Spielberg, if you can believe it, um, almost 30 years ago. And so it's just a um, a, a fascinating and well-told story. Um, For me, um, I think that what it does is open the door to, you can definitely see that, evolutionary elements to it but also there's um elements to it that you can really get into some healthy and really worthwhile conversations in regard to um creation and uh, i think why is it that we're always trying why is it that mankind is always trying to create something new because if you've noticed in almost every single one of these films if you've watched them over the years is the fact that um that they're really creating new dinosaurs, that they're creating new creatures in a way. And why is it that we're doing that? What, how are we wired for that? And so, really, kind of points us to the whole element of creation. I think, yes, I think it's worthwhile. As your as the um, listener was saying, that it's worthwhile in addressing the issues of evolution. Um, but also, I think they also give a, a very uh, and positive opportunity for us to be able to kind of introduce and really talk about the whole elements of creation. Now the film itself is just kind of a, the, the next installment. It's it's very familiar. If you enjoy the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World series, you will enjoy this film. There's nothing really new um, to the film in regards to a different storyline outside of kind of the location that they kind of changed to, um, and also kind of some of the elements of looking at animal rights and uh, the importance of animal rights in regards to the dinosaurs and whether or not they're going to die on this volcanic island, but. Um, it really they kind of go back to kind of what really has made this whole series work and really what Steven Spielberg was able to do with Michael Crichton's original story. They did it well, but I think it's really all it is is primarily a setup for the third installment, which is going to be coming in the next couple of years.
1: Of course, when you see films like Jurassic World, uh, these questions of origins come to the fore. Oh, yeah. uh, the film is not presenting the origins as there is a creator god and i'm not sure what uh, you know what sort of inferences there might be in no. there, but the the whole obvious uh, scenario is that somehow or other that the evolutionary theory is the one that is to the fore, so you really do have to be armed as a parent uh, with a little bit of good sound solid foundation biblical understanding of origins if you're going to have those conversations with your children after the movie, Russ?
2: Oh, I... I... I totally agree with you. I think that, well, I mean, I think for us to think that Hollywood is going to really bring in a creator God um, element to a story is going to be very rare, if never. And so that the fact that we're always going to be kind of coming up against that and kind of be able to address the topic of evolution directly. So why not get ourselves equipped and really give them, show them the option and really show what, what we can actually know and understand from the Bible um, in regards to addressing those topics and um, the different thing that points to it definitely does not also another point that you brought up that i think it's worthwhile engaging with i don't think the jurassic park or jurassic world series is really ideal for young children um you know it's there's some really scary and terrifying elements to this story and i don't really recommend it for children younger than kind of teenagers and i think that that's why it, it gets the m rating or the m15 rating that it tends to get and so just as a a caveat just as far as for, um, uh, if your listeners are wondering if they can take along their children during the holidays. I wouldn't necessarily recommend Jurassic World for the younger children.
1: And as we were mentioning a little earlier, when you've got a review of a film like this, uh, why it is so valuable for parents to be able to access your review is that you do have this question of what parents ought to know before going to see the film, and then you've got these biblical creation connections uh, to arm parents with answers when they have the conversation afterwards in fact uh, on this particular review of the jurassic world uh, you've actually got that parents ought to uh, be uh, mindful of john chapter one and especially those first three verses because this is an affirmation of god as creator Uh, these sorts of things so valuable when it comes to this type of movie russ exactly
2: exactly I mean, I think that we, you, you're, we're going to have to be continually in this world for us to think in this world, not only in our entertainment choices, but just generally out out in the world, that people are going to be embracing everything that we know and understand from the Bible is, a, is probably kind of a false um, idea, opposed to kind of looking at how we can address everything that's kind of coming our way from a biblical standpoint. And thankfully, what we have in the Bible is... We're, we're equipped. We actually have it, but we have to go through and engage with the Bible first to be able to actually know how we can address all of the different topics that are come at us through our entertainment choices, but just in general in the news and all the other things that we see.
1: Well, I love the way you've even included some really deep things there for parents when they think about a movie like Jurassic Worlds. This idea of what we would know as a general revelation – and a special revelation, because this general revelation that we understand as Christians is when we look around us and we see the creation, we see the trees, we see the birds, we see the animals, I mean, and and we say, well, why are they there? How did they get there? And we come to the conclusion that the origin is that God is the creator. And then you've got this other special revelation, uh, where you have this uh, revelation in the Bible and the, in the life of Jesus, uh, which gives us a more specific way to connect to the one who is the Creator. So, really fabulous, going deeper in some of the things you're encouraging parents to, Russ.
2: Yeah, and, and the thing, what's great about it is that you can do it in a manner. These, these are some big topics and some big opportunities for us. But you can really do this regardless of the age of your child, if you really can make it accessible, be able to show that the Bible is something that we can address as children, but also that it gives us opportunity to engage with as adults, and also really challenges us not only our hearts, but really our minds, and really be able to think about how we can address all that's going on in the world, and that really God gives us the answers if we just are willing
1: to engage with His Word.
0: A Biblical Perspective on Life culture and current events
1: russ matthews from city bible forum is with us russ there's so many movies out and uh, i feel like we're not going to get through the whole list that we had planned to talk about but let's talk about solo it's been out for a little while now a star wars story uh, just quickly uh, is this a good one for parents to take children to
2: for, probably for older children, not necessarily the younger children. Also, anybody who's a Star Wars fan should get along to see this film. I'm surprised that it hasn't done well. There's different um, there's different uh, issues that I think kind of happened with the studio in regards to this film. This film had a lot of production problems, but in the end, it's a fun film. It takes you back to kind of the old um, kind of Western days, and it's just uh, there's a cheekiness to it. It kind of goes to Han Solo, one of the most loved characters in the Star Wars franchise, he um, is kind of his origin story, as it were, and so it's really worthwhile still going through. It's entertaining, it's fun, um, but definitely for probably just a slightly older set, not the younger children, but definitely fans of, of the Star Wars, the whole Star Wars franchise.
1: One of the observations you made about Solo is that it's the first Star Wars movie to have none of the iconic religious metaphors, you know, all about the force be with you, those sorts of things. Uh, that's, is that a positive?
2: Yeah, I mean it's definitely a, definitely a positive. I think that um more than anything it kind of just shows somebody kind of rising up from kind of the depths and kind of getting to the point of kind of being able to go forward and become kind of the hero even though he himself would not necessarily want to qualify himself as a hero, um but in the end, yes, I think that it it you, that element isn't there and gets it doesn't get in the way of kind of really a good storyline
1: uh, still time to take a call on 1-800-316-316 let's hear from jonathan in perth hello jonathan welcome along yeah hello good to hear from you what are your thoughts jonathan
3: yes you know there are some things that been shown today The you know uh, as a christian or godly people are doing show uh, a principle for our children to follow them. We were talking them while and we listening to you about the dragon. You know, we, especially we that are from Africa, we know the enemy the deal with dragons so much in Africa. So when we came, especially in the Western world, people decorate their houses with dragon and playing dragon movie, we we surprised. And this thing is an open door to the enemy to penetrate the society today because you play with someone you don't know. And so moving the like children, animal talking, all these things. Biblically, there, there are sometimes animal talk, but today it becomes a custom now. You hear people putting, movie on, animal talking, speaking to the human being. It's different picture, but it's common. So I don't know. There's no thing to show, to read, demonstrate to people what life to live or to enjoy instead of going to this thing here. I don't know.
1: Okay, it's easy to become desensitised and Jonathan reflecting on an African heritage there and uh, this idea that there's all of these types of characters like Dracula in movies, uh, you become desensitised to those but what stands behind them is really quite a sinister, uh, demonic uh, content. A quick, rep- uh, a quick uh, uh, thought for, uh, for Jonathan from you, Russ.
2: Yeah, I think, that, and again, I think he just goes, exact. Jonathan, I appreciate your call, and I think that one of the things that you have to do as a parent is really discern whether or not this is something that you would want to expose your children to, and if, if a film that has the lead character is Dracula in the lead, I would definitely recommend that you don't go see the film.
1: Okay, thank you so much to Jonathan. Running out of time, just a few minutes remaining for our conversation, we've been talking lots about the kids' movies. Uh, What about some of the other movies that are not necessarily children's movies, ones that are at the cinemas, uh, uh, good and bad and ugly and all of this? Uh, There's a few that you've been monitoring along, Cesario, Adrift.
2: And so Sicario, Sicario de, uh, of Saldano, it's the second, um, film of the Sicario series, which was, um, it wasn't a huge, huge hit, but it's really well done, but it's a very violent film, um, but it's an interesting story, especially in kind of some of the different issues in regards to immigration. So Sicario de, de but definitely this is an adult film, and it definitely contains, uh, violence and language. Uh, there's also the, Film Oceans Eight, which is actually a, a fun film, and it kind of goes in the Oceans Eleven um, whole that whole series of films. But this one's an all-female cast, led by Sandra Bullock and our own Blanchett, um, that are in that one. And then another one that's kind of a a silly, again a, a more of adult film is based on Tag, uh, the film Tag, which that one is a true story about a bunch of men who get together once a month every year since they were children, and play the game of tag and, and try and make sure that they're not it at the, end of the, at the end of the month.
1: And we mentioned the one called Adrift, a story of a oh, yeah. couple who gets shipwrecked.
2: Yeah, and then there's Adrift. That one that one, it, if you are, <laughs> I, I jokingly called this the film that proves that um, that plane travel is much better than or air travel is much better than going by by ocean. But um, is one where it, it talks. It's a, again another true story of a couple who is um, shipwrecked at sea, out in the ocean, and and all that they really experience and try and to to get. To the point of safety and salvation as it were um, It's it definitely a, a slow film An art film But definitely still an interesting story About the human experience
1: And for people to access some of your reviews The City Bible Forum website Citybibleforum.org And uh, just to mention City Bible Forum as I love to do And Russ you've been a part of the organisation for 10 years You're in all the capital cities around Australia and uh, all sorts of fabulous, creative ways of engaging people, particularly in the city CBDs of our capital cities, whether it's before work or in the lunch hour or after work, uh, some fabulous initiatives and uh, must be pretty exciting being a part of uh, all the things that are are happening. And you're based in Sydney uh, and uh, and, and there's something happening just about all the time with City Bible Forum.
2: (laughs) That's right. City Bible Forum is a national organization. We're based here, in, uh, based in Sydney, but we do have um, offices in um, Brisbane, Adelaide, Melbourne, Perth, actually in Hobart now, and also in Canberra. Uh, and so it's just a, a great opportunity in Adelaide. So it's just a great opportunity for engage people with the gospel in the workplace. And we have multiple, t- multiple different opportunities for that. Definitely go check out the citybibleforum.org website. And then also if you want to specifically with the Real Dialogue, go to the realdialogue.com website.
1: Well, Russ Matthews, uh, always such a great pleasure hearing your insights about the latest crop of films and no doubt we'll get to do this again before too long as well but thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and to share your heart with us too and uh, just real insights today as to how you do, as you say, engage with film without disengaging your faith. Citybibleforum.org or realdialogue.com Russ Matthews, thanks for being with us. Again today on 2020.
2: Thanks again, Neil,
0: and see you at the movies.
1: Before you go, thanks for listening.
0: There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.